Hello, all you fabulous pink flamingos, and welcome to another episode of A Little Greener, your favorite podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. I am one of your hosts, Kristen, and I am joined by the ever fabulous Sarah. Sarah, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. I am a little bit toasty down here in Florida right now. Right before we started recording, Kristen, I took my dog for a walk. He has been very insistent about his walks as of late. We've really gotten in the habit of doing a morning walk and an evening walk, and I try to make him wait until later in the day to, to or later in the evening to do our evening walks because it's a million degrees here. But he was like raring to go. And as Kristen knows, hopefully the rest of you listening have not been aware, but my dog also tends to be fairly disruptive while we are recording podcasts. So I went ahead and I took him for his walk, pre-podcast recording to hopefully wear him down a little bit so we won't get interrupted a dozen times by a dog barking. Anyway, long story short, it is very hot and I'm recording from a different room in my house and the ceiling fan is pretty loud in here. So now I've had to turn off my ceiling fan to record. So I'm just doing well, but I'm just sitting down here sweating in in Florida right now. How are things uh, up in your neck of the woods, Kristen? It is pretty good. Um, It's been a little toasty here as well, but probably not nearly as hot as Florida. (laughs) So it's been good. We've been outside lately. We've been doing lots of swimming still. School is back in session, so not quite as much outdoor time, but yes, it in there. kind of crazy. I have a first grader, so that is Oh my gosh! She is uh, huge. So that's been um, fun. So we got to get back into the swing of things and get back on a kind of a school schedule. I can't believe she's in first grade. That just hit me. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. Yes, because you knew me pretty much from from when she was bored. Yeah. And (laughs) that's just if that blows my mind, just how how fast the time goes. My goodness. Well, excellent. I wanted to cover some environmental news things real quick before we dove into our topic of the day. One of the things that I wanted to mention is something that we've talked about on the podcast before is an event called Tour de Turtles, where you can track sea turtles as they are after the the nesting season is finishing up so all these turtles are have come up they've laid their eggs and now they're heading back to open ocean where we know less about what goes on in sea turtles lives so this is one cool event that raises awareness and also helps to sort of generate data as these turtles are fitted with trackers so we can see where they're going and it's kind of fun different organizations have different turtles supporting different causes raising awareness for different threats that sea turtles are facing so it's kind of fun you can get on the website tourdeturtles.org, pick your favorite sea turtle uh, and see see where they go. It looks like a sea turtle named Susie is in the lead right now. Uh, another thing that just popped up on my newsfeed this afternoon, actually, so this was a, a last minute ad, but another topic that we've talked about previously on the podcast is our our different energy sources. And we talked about nuclear fusion as a potential future energy source. We talked about it back when they first achieved what they call ignition, where 
they got more energy out of a reaction than they had to put in. So that's important if they're going to use something to generate energy. Um, what I didn't realize is I guess they had been trying and hadn't been able to do that again until uh, about a week ago. I think they achieved that breakthrough again, the same lab, the same location. They were able to finally repeat that experiment, which is another positive step forward. So I thought that was cool. And we'll have, uh, I can put the links to both Tour, Tour de Turtles and one of the articles talking about that in our show notes. So you can check that out there. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, Kristen, I don't know if this is even making news other places. I know I've heard it down here because it's happening off the coast of Florida, um, but there's some record warm sea surface temperatures occurring in the Atlantic Ocean right now. So I just wanted to mention that and put it on people's radar if you haven't gotten a chance to hear about it yet. With somebody that Casey and I always talk about, Hank Green, a science communicator, uh, put some stuff about it on his Instagram today that was really interesting. So this may be a future upcoming podcast episode, and I don't know too much about it yet, so I don't want to dive into it. But like I said, it's something that's making news at least down here. So I wanted to put that out there for folks who are interested to take a look at what's going on in the Atlantic Ocean right now. I had not heard that yet, so thank you for sharing, and I'll have to do a little research myself. Yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff. So like I said, possibly a, a forthcoming podcast episode there. But tonight's episode uh, is inspired by another current event that is currently sweeping the nation, and I think probably the globe. I just saw that the Barbie movie has crossed a billion dollars at the box office, I think. Whoa. So yeah, Barbie is 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 a thing right now. And Barbie was definitely a thing for me when I was a kid. So Kristen, first of all, I loved your animal lead-in today. Talking about Barbie, we have to have a pink animal. To yes, and I had to throw the word pink in there just to tie everything together. I know I didn't need to say pink flamingo, but... <laughs> Just give a little teaser. It was mm -hmm. perfect. Uh, but my question for you is, first of all, I mean, I guess, were you, did you have Barbies as a kid? What was your favorite? If so, do you have a favorite Barbie doll that you recall? I did have quite a few Barbies um, in my house growing up. I had Harry Potter style, a little cubby under the stairs that I would play with all my Barbies. Like it wasn't even a finished space. It was just the little nook under the stairs for whatever reason is where I played with my Barbies. I was a strange kid, I guess. And so I had lots of different Barbies and accessories and some hand-me-downs and things. But I do remember for Christmas one year getting a very specific Barbie. And I cannot recall if I asked for this Barbie or Santa was just doing a great job that year. Uh -huh. But it was like a rock star Barbie. She had this long sleeve, bright pink dress. She had a really bright pink guitar that glowed in the dark. She had like some glitter in her hair. And it was it was the it Barbie. Like I was thrilled. That was Love my it. favorite for a long time. That's a good one. Barbie was also, like I said, a big thing for me. Me and my best friend when I was a kid, who's still my best friend to this day, Megan, we would play Barbies together at each other's houses. She had a crawl space at her house. So similar to your 
your under the stairs cubby. They had a, a sort of big un, unfinished crawl space where we would go and play Barbies at her house. She was the best. Megan was the best at building these amazing Barbie houses. And at my house, we would play in my bedroom and we had these big like cardboard block things that we would use to build our Barbie houses. So yes, I had containers full of Barbie dolls. Oh, look at Rockstar Barbie. I had to put a picture up for you. This was my favorite. That's, that is not one that I had. So many, so many Barbies out there. I looked for a picture of the ones that I was going to mention. I actually have a few. So I will say the one that I remember the or that comes to my mind first I guess is one that I can't turn up when I tried to search for it so I don't remember what actually she was but when I was I think like seven or something like that I had to go and get a blood test done for something and I just remember after going to get this blood test and I think I was a little nervous about it or whatever my dad took me to the store and and bought me a Barbie and so I, I remember that Barbie and all I remember is that she had a big sort of poofy white frilly tulle skirt that part of it came off to have like a shorter skirt underneath. That's all I remember about her. I don't remember what her little title was. So that's definitely one that sticks out for me. I also had totally hair Barbie. Oh. That who had like hair down to her feet. Wow. And she had this really like tie dye looking dress thing. And it was one of those things where, you know, you could have fun doing her hair but there comes a time I think for everybody that had that Barbie that eventually you had to see what she would look like with short hair yes so you cut all of it was the right hair off so loved that one and then I think probably the little mermaid I had some I don't even know if that was an official Barbie but I certainly had a little mermaid doll Barbie-esque doll at some point so those those might be my top three but I I had a whole collection they were a big thing for me so I'm excited to talk a little bit more about Barbie and kind of just toys in general tonight and kind of look at where they stand from an environmental impact so stick around for a discussion on Barbie All right. Welcome, everybody. Once again, odds are at this point, you have heard something about this Barbie movie that came out a few weeks ago. I actually haven't seen it yet. Kristen, you saw it? Yes, I did see it. I did enjoy it. Okay, I was going to say just a a thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm -hmm. It was not what I thought it was going to be, but it was still very good. I Um, I wouldn't say it is not a kid's movie. For those listening with kids, it is not a kid's movie. Yeah. Good to know. I th- This episode really has nothing to do with the movie, so no worries there if you haven't seen it. Like I said, I haven't either. We're not really talking about that at all, but it was the inspiration for me. You start seeing all of this stuff. They had an amazing sort of media presence, I think, for this movie, so it, I enjoyed it. It got me, you know, 
lot of good memories associated with Barbie. Um, and of course, you know, I love a good current event story. So I started to think about, well, how, how could I tie this into the podcast? So it got me thinking that it might be interesting to look at the environmental impact of Barbie. And of course, if we're going to talk about the environmental impact of Barbie, we, we got to talk about toys in general because there's this is not a a Barbie specific impact. She's just sort of an icon, so it's easy to sort of tie this in with Barbie. So let's talk about it. How does Barbie impact the environment? It is the problem of plastic. We can't deny that there are environmental impacts associated with this. So Kristen, we've talked about plastics on the podcast before. We're just coming out of Plastic Free July. Uh, so plastics have been maybe uh, in, in the forefront of our minds a little bit lately. So can you just give us a quick sort of elevator pitch version of why we in the environmental and conservation world, why do we talk about plastics so much? What are the issues in general with plastics. Well, you have done entire podcast episodes on mm -hmm. this. So to keep it short and sweet, there's a lot of issues with the production of plastics and the disposal of plastics. So if you've listened to the, the pod, you know that um, making plastics requires fossil fuels. And so a lot of emissions there in, in the production of plastics. And then there are a lot of issues with you know, what do we do with the plastics when it's done? There are mm -hmm. single-use plastics that cannot be recycled, um, but there are a lot of issues surrounding plastic recycling as well. Um, and then, of course, you also have mentioned microplastics on the pod before as well. And then incinerating plastics causes a lot of pollution too. So kind of each step of the way, um, there are some issues surrounding plastics yeah, absolutely. So it hits from from both ends, the emissions during production and manufacturing, and then, like you said, the end of life as well. Obviously, plastics have a lot of benefits. That's why they're so widely spread. They're pretty cheap to make. They're pretty versatile. They're pretty durable. All of those things, you know, we've had a lot of intervention with regards to plastic, but you cannot deny that they do have these negative impacts on both ends of the spectrum. So in thinking about that with relation to Barbie, when we're talking about production, like I said, one of the, the reasons that we might pick Barbie to talk about here is just because it's big and popular and been around for a long time. So just by the, the very nature, uh, there's a lot of material there. So Barbie first came on the scene back in 1959. And it seems like, again, so, some of these numbers all throughout this episode, I'll just be upfront about are kind of hard to to corroborate. So from the, the best information that I can get, it's over about a billion Barbies have been sold since 1959. And according wow. to the Yale Environmental Review, about 60 million Barbie dolls are sold each year. Again, I've seen a little bit of a varying number, and I'm sure that it does vary from year to year, but somewhere about 60 million Barbie dolls are sold uh, each year. And again, according to the Yale Environmental Review, that number contributes emissions equivalent to burning 381 million gallons of gasoline. All right. So I first read that and I was like, okay, man, that sounds like a lot. But I looked it up and just to give a little perspective with that number, again, I'm I'm just sort of going on the assumption that that's a somewhat accurate number. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, in 2022, about 
134.55 billion gallons of finished motor gasoline were consumed in the United States, which is an average of about 369 million gallons per day. So a year's worth of Barbie is somewhat equivalent to a day's worth of actual gasoline usage. So just to put it in a little bit of perspective there, definitely an impact. Um, but again, just, just some added perspective there. So for me, it's really the end of life cycle that's maybe even more concerning. I don't know if that's really fair or not, but I that's the thing that I tend to focus on a little more. So uh, looking at some numbers from earthday.org, uh, they say that since plastic was introduced in the 1950s, over 8.3 billion metric tons of plastic have been produced, about 79% of which still remains in landfills or scattered throughout the natural environment. Obviously, there's, I think they say typically the number is about like 9% of plastic that actually gets recycled. Some of it does get incinerated as well, which has its own environmental impacts associated with that. And obviously, Barbie is made up of a lot of different materials, right? So we've talked about the issues with plastic recycling before. That's difficult enough in itself. You can think about how you know, in, in most of our curbside recycling systems, you can only recycle those plastics that have a number one or a two on the bottom. Those are designating different types of plastics. And typically, if you're going to recycle something, you need to sort of break it down and separate it out into different components. And we can't really do that with a plastic doll. There's a lot of different components there. So Barbie's not something that can just be thrown in the recycling bin. So we definitely have an end of life issue. So Kristen, we touched on this in the intro. You and I both had Barbies. I had a lot, like I had a bin full of Barbies. So I'm curious, I mean, you said it was a big thing for you too. Does your daughter play with them? Do you still have them around the house or were there other toys that you think of as a kid or for your daughter now that are really popular in your household? Um, she does have Barbies, and she does play with them occasionally. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get them all as hand-me-downs from my aunt, because um, my Love cousins it. are grown now, and so she has quite a quite a bit of Barbie things. But they all have come secondhand, and um, you can't really even tell. Besides some of the styles of the houses and things, they all look to be in pretty good shape. So we lucked out there. Um, but she is really into Legos as well. Mm -hmm. She really is into making jewelry right now. And uh, both of those things are just pretty much 100% plastic right. <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing to keep in mind here. Again, Barbie was sort of the touch point for me here, but by no means is the the only or the, the the biggest necessarily even contributor this is this is definitely a bigger issue I think back to when I was a kid and I think I think Barbie probably was my biggest sort of toy thing but I remember all those other little dolls we had like the strawberry shortcake dolls I had got into the American Girl dolls which have some some fabric as well but a lot of plastic uh, My Little Ponies plastic you know just imagine walking down the toy aisle at the store it's just there is plastic everywhere and again according to the Yale Environmental Review plastic makes up about 90 percent 
of the toy industry, although I did find from another source that that 90% number is from a, a an estimate that was done back in 2011 and is actually something that's pretty hard to determine. But just from an anecdotal standpoint and thinking about the toys that you see when you walk down the, the toy aisle or thinking about the things that I had as a kid, plastic is certainly very prevalent in the toy industry. And it's not just the toys themselves either. Packaging is another part of the story. One of my big resources that I used for this episode was an article from Time magazine, and they talked about how packaging accounts for almost half of the global total of plastic waste. So it's not just the plastic doll but it's you know a lot of the boxes have those like plastic window screens and things like that or the stupid bubble packaging that takes like five different tools to and the jaws of life to get open oh, i hate things. opening toys i really do you know i i'm all for toy companies just putting things in cardboard boxes and just putting right. a picture on the front i'm yes I'm team cardboard box because, oh my gosh, it's so hard to open some of these toys. And I've like cut myself on some of the packaging before that stuff that the inside parts, I feel like cannot be recycled because you've like ripped them up to shreds and sometimes you can't even find like, you know, the, the number on there. I think, you know, sometimes I think they're probably not even recyclable plastics so that is something that we are starting to see with companies too and it's nice that you as a parent say that as well because how frustrating is it so I think you know if we voice the opinion loud enough that the the benefits of maybe being able to show off the actual product in these clear plastic containers uh, that's not enough to outweigh the negatives of the environmental impact and just how darn annoying it is to try to to get them open. Because um, that certainly is something that companies are doing is, is they're looking at reducing um, or eliminating plastic in their packaging. So for example, some of them are. I was I saw a picture online of the the classic the classic toy Mr. Potato Head of how they've switched their packaging to an all cardboard now and removed that plastic window. So it's nice to see companies making those changes as well. So with that said, with Barbie thinking about Barbie in particular, what's Mattel's stance on the environment? Because again, I am not advocating anybody to to get rid of Barbie here. Toys are important. Toys are important for child development. Toys let us have fun and fun is important. I think Casey's said on the podcast before, you know, we're not out to steal anyone's joy. You know, we we all need things to make us hap- happy. Everything has an impact on the environment. So let's think about how we can do the best that we can to reduce the impact and still have these things around. And Barbie certainly can be a positive example. Do you remember, I think this was from a couple of years ago now that that they did a partnership with Jane Goodall. Do you remember that at all? I don't, but now I have to look it up. Yeah, you can, you can pull that up. So there's a, a Jane Goodall doll to Mm, support her legacy. They have uh, what they are calling an eco leadership team of Barbies. So Barbies working in different areas of science and environment 
and uh, they have what the, a group of like Barbie loves the ocean dolls, and these are all made from ninety percent plastic sourced within 50 kilometers of waterways in areas lacking formal waste collection systems. That's a long description, Whoa. but basically they are reclaiming plastic waste uh, in areas where there's not a good waste collection system and using that to make a large part of the doll. It can't be used for every part because there are some challenges that come with using recycled plastic, um, but it is something that they are working on I now that we started talking about this I had um a memory a couple of years ago my niece was really really into Barbies and um, I kind of had free reign on what kind of Barbies I could buy her and I found a wildlife conservationist Barbie and it is very Jane Goodall-esque yeah if you bring it up like it's very khaki on khaki and she comes with a little monkey and a little notebook for research um, and it was in partnership with national geographic awesome so, um i was excited to get her that barbie that's cool i'm not sure if that's part of that same series or not or if that's a different one so i don't i don't know about the plastic sourcing with, with that mm -hmm. particular doll but i do think that that is another way that barbie is positive it's so cool you know she has all of these different jobs and it's so cool to see those things be visible to kids as they're playing with these dolls and I, so i think that is important and obviously that cannot be all you know the mattel can't just stand up there and say well we have barbie being a scientist so we're being you know good for the planet or whatever that's not enough but i do think it is important in and of its own so i i'm glad that they do that um and mattel does have some sustainability goals that you can find very easily on their website so i'm gonna share these kind of as they have them written. So one of them is to reach 95% recycled or Forest Stewardship Council certified paper or wood fiber in their packaging by 2021, which so we should be able to check that now actually. Uh, and by 2030 to have 100% recycled, recyclable or bio-based plastic materials. More on that shortly. Next one is by 2030, the brand is on track to achieve 100% recycled, recyclable, or bio-based plastic materials in products and more than 75% fibers made from sustainable materials in its fashions. So with, you know, these dolls, you can't just think about the doll. There's a whole lot of accessories that come along with them. So thinking about sustainable materials for those as well. And then they do say there as well that we'll advocate for the environment using our platforms and Barbie as a role model to educate and promote sustainable everyday behaviors that will help inspire action. They also have a playback program. That's what they call it for Barbie, Fisher-Price, Matchbox, and Mega Toys in the United States, Canada, France, Germany, and the UK. So this is a program where those things might not be recyclable, but you can send them back to the company and they will, uh, I think that this is repurposing them. I think that they are reusing the materials, but they may also, uh, for some of them, I know Lego has a similar thing where they, they will actually just reuse them. They will clean the toys and send them out to other people 
underreached communities basically so those toys get a second life but so mattel does have this play playback program for some of their toys a lot of good goals here something i just wanted to note and and you know maybe i'm being too critical here is that when you were doing your research did they list any like sustainability reports or anything that gave feedback on where they were at with some of these goals yeah it's funny that you say that because i actually didn't even register until I was reading it out that one of those dates had already passed. So I would have to pull up their website again, to be perfectly mm. honest. It just in the time that I was using to put this episode together, I did not go back and see it. They do have a whole sort of environmental sustainability page, but I would be curious to go back and see if they do or not. So yeah, I was just curious because, it, yeah, it said 2021, so mm -hmm. it'd be cool to, to kind of have an update on that. And then the other thing I noticed is that they said some of these goals, they wanted to have either 100% recycled or 100% recyclable, and that's very different. Yes. Um, and I don't have enough knowledge to tell you which one is better than the other since plastic is not infinitely recyclable in most circumstances. And so I don't know if it's better to be using recycled materials or making something that is recyclable in itself. Like, I, yeah. I don't really know which has a better environmental impact, but it's just interesting that they put both in there right. as options for them. Yes. No, I think that this is great because I initially, I read these and I was like, oh, great. You know, they're covering their, their packaging and their materials. But I think the more closely you read it, the more that you recognize how mm, there's some, some room here. And I hope that they do have more information available because we do need to get more specific in some of these things and I don't know either like I'm there I'm sure there's a whole bunch of industry limitations and you know I don't know if you can make a Barbie that is actually recyclable so if you can make her from recycled materials then then that might be the best that you can do right now. So I think perhaps that the reason they're including all of those is because they're covering a lot of bases. They're making a lot of different things. So they might be making things recyclable where they can and making things out of recycled materials where they can't. So I think there's some room for some flexibility there, but I think at some point, you know, we do have to get more specific and see, are they actually achieving these goals? What things are actually recyclable versus uh, recycled are they the things that they're making recyclable are they actually recyclable for the general public we've talked about that before how sometimes companies will say something is recyclable but we actually cannot put it in our curbside recycling program right. so that's another thing to think of and I think Kristen I, I know you're going to talk about this in a little bit but let's just talk about it now because the other thing that they have in their they say recycled, recyclable, or bio-based plastics, right? Yes. And please, if you have more information on that, I'd love to hear it because I've heard bioplastic, I've heard plant-based plastic, mm -hmm. and my first instinct is that sounds a little bit like greenwashing. I don't really yeah. know what a plant-based plastic is. Yeah. So do you have more information on that? I have such a hard time in general Every time I read any sort of corporate sustainability policy, I'm like, okay, it sounds good, but is that really, are they just greenwashing? Are they just wording this so that it sounds good? And I have like, so I, I want to assume the best from everybody, but then I'm also just inherently 
anxious and feel like, uh, you know, it, it's, there's this whole second guessing thing that happens in my brain. I don't know that much about bio-based plastics. I would love to also do an episode on this in the future. But yes, it is plastics that are made out of biological materials. So it does, I think, sound, they just put that bio there and it just sounds inherently oh, like, yes, that must be better for the environment because it's not made out of fossil fuels, right? And so we talked about that from the beginning as being one of the issues is that plastics are a petroleum-based product and that causes issues from the fossil fuel use. So this is not made from fossil fuels, so that must be better, right? Not necessarily right. Uh, it really depends. Uh, I did start reading a study that talked about this and there's just lots of different kinds. So under the right conditions, bio-based plastics can be better for the environment, but they are not inherently always better for the environment. They have their own set of, of environmental impacts on both ends of the spectrum too. It's also just because something is a bio-based plastic doesn't mean that it's biodegradable, which I think is another misconception. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. So if used in the right way, they might be more environmentally friendly, but you really have to look at the full life cycle of the particular plastic because you run into issues with the agricultural use so the land change use to get these materials to make these plastics and that can have impact on the prices of feeds for animals or the prices of food for us <laughs> all sorts of different things that you start getting in there so it is definitely good when you're looking at these sustainability statements to read them with a little bit of a critical eye great to acknowledge when companies are trying and taking steps and moving forward, but also great to question what are they really saying here in these statements. Hmm. This might be a future podcast episode because this is just fascinating to me and not something I really put a lot of thought into before now. Yeah. So, so many future episodes, I feel like we need to be making a list. <laughs> Should I be writing this down? <laughs> yeah. So again, I I don't think that these goals are perfect, but I think it's good that they're out there. It, this is, it is totally my bad for not going further down the rabbit hole to see what else they have on their page, but it's definitely something that you folks, if you're listening, are, are interested. You can dive deeper and see what else they've got uh, out there. And again, it's not just Mattel. That's one company of many. We've got lots of other major toy companies that have these same uh, issues. And fortunately, we're seeing other toy companies you know, hopefully starting to take steps in to in the right direction as well. So again, from this Time article that I was reading, it'll be linked in the show notes. And I think this was from 2021 also. I'll have to go back and check. But relatively recently, Lego had announced that it had developed new Legos from a recycled PET. That's a type of plastic that plastic bottles, plastic water bottles, pop bottles, that sort of thing are usually made out of. So they were able to develop some Lego blocks from recycled water bottles, basically, as part of a $400 million effort to be more sustainable. So again, that is something that you do have to keep in mind with these companies. It is not like they can just flip a switch and totally change the way that they're producing their toys. It is an investment to figure out how to use these materials. So the article talks about how it took years and many, many different tries uh, for them to figure out how to make these blocks. And they're still 
working on it. Like these are still not available to the general public. They're still in a testing phase and they're all gray. They haven't figured out how to color them yet. So imagine that uh, if all of your Legos could only be gray. Um, so it's still very much in the testing phase, but they are trying. Again, that was a big time and money investment for them. And in addition to that, for some of their pieces, they have switched to what they have, uh, they are calling in this article, a renewable bioplastic derived from sugarcane. Now, they do specify in this article that this has a 20% lower carbon footprint for pe per piece. So hopefully they have done their research there. They've done their homework to determine that this particular bioplastic really is having less of an environmental impact. So we, we have a little more specificity there. But it was interesting. This this whole article was so interesting. So definitely check out the show notes and, and look at it. They talked to a couple people. They talked to the president of a, a toy company called Green Toys, which I'm actually not familiar with. Uh, but he was talking about how they have, again, they have limitations that other companies don't have to deal with. So there, he talks about how there are things that they would love to do. Uh, as a company that, you know, that they're the, the people who design their toys are like, oh, you know, there would be so many things that they would want to do, but they're not sustainable. They cannot be done sustainably. So they don't do them. They talk about just having paint and external coatings. They don't do electronics, don't do any additives, anything like that. It's tough. It's a balance to figure it out. And I uh, have purchased a couple things from Green Toys and have been uh, impressed with the quality and it, it seems like something that will hold up for a long time but yeah, um, yeah no electronics um, they're they're pretty plain Jane but they they seem to be pretty good toys so um, I've advocated and sent this uh, company to different moms and things as a awesome. suggestion so they're they're making strides love that I'll have to look them up and I know in that article too they were talking to the the sustainability executive I don't remember the exact title but for Lego and he was talking about even better than making well I don't I don't remember if he, if he said even better I don't want to to mess up his words but talking about instead of just focusing on whether something is recyclable or recycled we need to make it durable so as you just mentioned with with green toys he he really emphasized the durability of these toys and wanting them to last for generations and generations. So this not be sort of a one and done thing. And so Lego does also have a give back program. I think I, I mentioned earlier where they can actually collect the bricks and, and send them out uh, to other kids. So I think that that's another important piece too. We are focusing a lot here on what these items are made of, but making sure that they last uh, for a long time is an important piece of the puzzle. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to figure out how to make things that are going to be fun, use products that are not going to be harmful to the environment and are going to last for a long time all in tandem. So we just need to, you know, find companies that are trying to do it and support them and encourage companies that aren't doing it to start doing it. So anything to add, Kristen, before we go into our wrap up? Uh, just a little note, because I had asked about, you know, sustainability reports and things you found. I did a little bit of research and I was able to find another popular tour company, Hasbro, oh, yeah. 
they do have some of these reports listed and I didn't go through and read the whole thing. It wasn't necessarily a short document, but um, it took a little while and quite a few clicks to get there. Um, but they are making strides as well, and they have sustainability reports that, that you can go and find. And they're looking for plant-based plastic packaging as well. Um, and they're on track to eliminate single-use plastic from product packaging by the end of 22. So I should go back and read that report to see if they were able to accomplish that or not. But you can do some digging and, and look up your favorite company. And if they don't have things listed, I don't know, maybe make some inquiries. Yeah, absolutely. And just because I don't want to be unfair to Mattel here and leave people hanging, I did just, again, Google real fast and pulled up Mattel's corporate website before I think I was just looking at at Barbie specifically uh, and they do have some specifics there again I'm, I won't take the time to go through everything right now but they they definitely have some more specifics related to some of those goals about you know what type of packaging they're using and, and all of that so there's definitely more to be found on Mattel's sustainability as well so you can check that out too all right and stick around. Thank you, Kristen, for a great discussion. Stick around, everybody, and we will come back with some final thoughts and your challenges for the week in just a moment. All right. Thanks for listening everybody i hope you enjoyed our discussion this evening Kristen. this is a tangent but did you ever use the nike run club app when you I did mm -hmm. did you ever listen to coach bennett at all one of the i don't think players? so no oh dang you gotta check him out i follow him on social media too and he he's i love him he's so great he's so inspirational but he'll always do this thing where he'll be like He'll say, he'll talk about something that's super inspirational, like I said, and then he'll be like, this is about running, but this is not about running. <laughs> that's an, I don't know if that's exactly how he says it, but it, it sticks in my brain. So tonight's episode was about Barbie, but it's also not about Barbie, right? And this is just really another, another reminder to be mindful about our priorities. And we recognize that our actions, the things that we buy have an impact we don't they don't live in a bubble so these these toys that we buy that we love that are so fun and meaningful to us they do have an environmental impact so that is is something we need to be mindful of and maybe think about changing our our priorities sometimes when it comes to our purchases so with that in mind challenge for the week and listen I sit here as a single person with no children so don't you know I get it. I do have a nephew and I have lots of friends with children and I am certainly guilty of throwing this all out the window and buying them whatever their little hearts desire on their Christmas wish list. So just know I recognize that. But again, this is a thing to keep in mind. So consider, if you can, eco-friendly toy options. We might think about, you know, wood toys. Again, there's an environmental impact there. I recognize that. But thinking about companies like the Green Toys Company, right, Kristen, that we, that we were just talking about, that, that really walk the walk when it comes to sustainability. So making sure that, you know, that, that product is produced sustainably still. But thinking about things like wood or cloth or 
looking for things secondhand as you did with your Barbies that you have for your daughter, uh, Kristen. So I think that is is really the heart of the episode tonight, right? So that's sort of your main challenge. If you've got somebody that you're buying a gift for here in the near future, just take a look and see if there might be some of those more eco-friendly toy options out there for purchase or looking into secondhand. Absolutely. And my daughter has a lot of toys, so I'm also not advocating getting rid of toys or never buying plastic toys again because um, Barbie especially has had a, a positive impact on my life. Um, but there's just some other options out there. And as we know, kids go through things very quickly and go through different phases and things. So mm -hmm. there are lots of different consignment sales. At least we have a lot of those in the United States. I'd love to hear uh, other countries, uh, how you rotate toys or if you share toys or, or give a lot of hand-me-down items like we do here in the United States. But um, I visit a lot of different secondhand and consignment stores uh, just because the different phases of childhood are, are so short. Like yeah. they grow up so fast. I'm not going to get emotional on the podcast, <laughs> but they grow up so quickly and they like things for a very short amount of time. It feels like. <laughs> so if you're able to buy used or, you know, share with your cousins or things like that, like we try to, it, it does help every little tiny bit helps. And, you know, if the fun new Barbie comes out, like it's okay. If it's okay uh, to splurge a little bit if you uh, have a kid who just has their heart set on something in particular. But um, overall, we can we can make little choices here and there and make things a little greener, right? Absolutely. That's what it's all about is taking those little steps. So, and I think the second challenge here. So, if you do, if you have that toy that your child or your niece or nephew or whatever it is really wants and you're like man I just I can't I have to you know get this for you you know it's totally understandable but what you can do is if you've got a favorite toy company or toys that you're buying frequently look at that company's sustainability goals check up on them are they actually meeting those sustainability goals and let them know what you think about it. You know, we have to, as consumers, make our voices heard to fuel that change. You know, what was it? $400 million? Is that what I said for the, the Lego efforts there? So, you know, companies need to know, I mean, they shouldn't, but they do. <laughs> this is the way capitalism works, people. Uh, these companies want to know that if they are going to spend that kind of money, that this is something that is important to the consumer. So let's let them know that it is important to us. Supporting companies that are committed to the environment will cause that change to happen more quickly. And as we've said, I think made clear here, we actually maybe talked about that even more than I initially thought that we were going to, which is great, but it can be difficult to tell sometimes, right? As we're reading through the sustainability goals, they are going to make it sound really good to us usually. And so it is, it's, it's hard to tell sometimes, well, is that, is that really a good goal? Is there a greenwashing here? And we also have a lack of industry understanding, you know, I didn't understand the ins and outs of why you might or might not be able to use certain materials to make something more sustainable, or I didn't understand that it would cost hundreds of millions of dollars for Lego to revamp their operation to be able to use more environmentally friendly products. You know, those are things that we're not necessarily aware of uh, as consumers, but we can do our best to 
try to look at that and try to invest in companies that are taking good steps and to encourage those that are not to start doing it. Fantastic. That that was a great wrap up and you you only do what you can do and you only know what you know. And so hopefully you learned something uh, on this podcast because I'm sure I did. I mean, <laughs> now I'm going to do so much more research on those eco plastics, right? Those green plant-based plastics and uh, I'll learn a little bit more after this. So I've got my own challenges. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully more to come on that too. So yeah, we've, Kristen and I have just increased our workload here by listing a bunch of future podcast episodes. So no, I, I really enjoyed this. It's, I think that hopefully this was fun to think about as well. Um, it is obviously real environmental impacts, but I, I think that it's, it, these things are kind of fun to explore along the way too. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for the discussion, Kristen. If anybody has any questions, comments, thoughts, suggestions for future episodes, you can find us all over the place. We are on Facebook, A Little Greener Podcast. We are now on Instagram at A Little Greener Pod. We're on Twitter. Is it still called Twitter? I don't really know, <laughs> uh, but we're on it at A Greener Podcast. To be quite honest, it's probably not the best place to, to reach us, but you can always email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. And we also are on YouTube as well. You can find at least our more recent episodes uh, on there and you can then use the, the automatic captioning there if that is something that has is helpful for you. Reach out anytime or we're always happy to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.